clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Dude, today, being the day of protest and everything. Are we recording? Yeah. Okay, good. There's nothing, nothing that's more relative than drinking a few beers and protesting. Beers, Mickey's, Cabernet Sauvignon. It's so all the same, dude. When's the last time you did, When's the last time you had a glass of wine? I couldn't even tell you, dude. It's. I mean, I haven't had alcohol in seven years, so probably seven years ago. Last time you had a drink was seven years ago. I don't know if, if the shot of rum I took when I was sick counts in November. Does that count? It counts. Okay, so then November, the, I had a shot of rum. You had a shot of rum in November. Other than that, it was six years. Maybe even seven, dude. Now explain to the audience exactly why you slammed. How big the bottle is that? I don't even know, and I didn't even look. Uncle Mike just kind of handed it to me, and he said, "Come on, come on." So why did you? Why did? What was the purpose? Why did you slam that? Dude, this is a day of protest, man. We drank and protested. We today. drank and protested today, dude. A freaking the government kicking us around, trying to tell us what to do. Freaking the small businesses are suffering. That's bullshit. So, so, so you had that that bottle of wine and you slammed it in protest, like a gentleman. Like a gentleman. Yes, sir. I slammed four wide mouth Mickey's and one Miller. Yes, you did. In protest. Was it four? I thought you had five. Yeah, whatever. I I, I slammed them all in protest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, you did good, man. You did great. That was great. Did you see the fucking uh, the boat ramp videos people have been putting up all across the state? It's pathetic. What do you think about that? Besides being pathetic, everybody knows it's pathetic. I mean, it's like... I mean, what can you say about it that hasn't already been said on social media, dude? A lot. The fucking... What did they think? Did they think that, like, keeping everybody off the water during this COVID-19 thing was going to be, like, a winner? No, because it made it worse. Because now look look at Miami, dude. Look at what happened in Miami last night. The lines were miles. Dude, it wasn't only Miami. I know, but I'm just saying, but that's a nice example. Fucking miles long. Like, you would expect that in Miami-Dade, Broward. But, dude, there was boat ramp issues in small towns like Crystal River, Homosassa, Stewart, Jupiter, fucking all across the state. And I just don't understand what the fuck the government was thinking. I don't think they were, dude. I don't think there's any thought at all. I think it's all about the defense. It's 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 knee-jerk reactions. No, it's defense because what the governments are scared of, from the smallest local government to the biggest, is image. And when they see people, you know, all in a big congregation, they're all worried about liabilities and getting sued and shit. And that's why... All this emphasis is put on the boat ramps and um, anything that you can think of where they're restricting people from gathering in big congregations. It has nothing to do with public health. It has nothing to do with these politicians thinking that they're going to save somebody. It's all about image and re-election. Makes sense. Makes That's sense. That's how government operates. That's what makes the world go around. Yeah. 
And that is what has to, um, I don't know, people need to realize that when they're watching all this crazy shit on, um, the news. Yeah, the news. It's all motivated by PR firms and media companies and every everybody um, but the regular guy, but the real guy. You know what I mean? Totally fucking insane. Dude, I tell you what, man. Cabernet Sauvignon, like, that's class. You know what I mean? Is that class? That's class. Are Especially, you sure? You know, you know you're, you're talking to a guy whose great-grandpa, I don't know if I ever told you this. Are you going to do old Italian yes, stories again? I am, especially after we've had a couple drinks. I think that that's in order. Okay. Um, my great-grandpa owned the largest winery in all of Italy at one point. Did you know that? Really? Of all of Italy at one point. Now, here's the problem. Now, who, who's grand, who, who, who's side of the dad. family? On your dad's side. Yep, so my, yep, my dad's dad his dad so my great-grandpa right and now here's the problem he was a gambler heavy into gambling right and because of that he was he was like 40 years old freaking lost it all at 40 years old how much did they have gosh i mean they had houses and freaking they had all this land in sicily and freaking right on the coast and I actually had cousins. This is a true story, too. I actually have cousins that basically screwed my grandparents, who should have actually gotten that land, basically swept in and freaking stole it. Yeah, that's par for the course. Yeah. I, again, I'm a big believer in karma, though, so I, I really believe at some point what goes around is going to come back around. But but I, 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 I mean, that, to me, was pretty impressive. The biggest, most successful winery in all of Italy. I was like, wow, that's impressive. But he lost it all because he was a gambler and he was a, he had a, a gambling addiction. What was he gambling on? Oh gosh, I mean he. I think he was. Uh, I think he was uh, cheating on my great grandma too. I think they were saying he was. He, he unfortunately he wasn't the best person, but he um, he lost. So he was forty years old. He lost it all, and then two weeks later, he dropped dead of a heart attack. Really? From stress. Yeah, forty years old. Wow. Two weeks later, dropped dead, heart attack. After he lost it all. After he lost it all. When that happened, my grandpa, who is still alive, he was forced to basically become the man of the house at that point. And so at a very young age, he had to go to work, and he became a um, mechanic. And he was a Volkswagen mechanic for... 35, 40 years. So is a guinea working on German cars? <laughs> Crazy, huh? <laughs> Fucking no wonder those German car companies are so successful. They had a bunch of guineas working They had a bunch on. of guineas working for them. Timmy O'Connor should be here with us right now. He loves when we use, it when we use the word guinea. Do you think Timmy would have slammed beers with us today in protest? Hell yeah, he would have. Only if it was an Irish beer. He wouldn't have drank in the Cabernet. Well, what do you think Timmy would have been drinking? Mickey's? Maybe. Um, <laughs> Mick. That's what I was thinking. Um, no, Mickey's. what's the other one? What's the other one? Um, what's the one? The Heineken. That's a German Heineken's beer. German. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Dude, you're spreading the COVID. No, my allergies are acting up. That's um, COVID. That's allergy. Um, what's if you're, that? If you're 27 years old and you get the COVID, are you like sweating it? Trying to sweat the fever? No, are you sweating? Are you like worried that you're going to like die or something? Because you shouldn't. Not really. I don't but think I, any of the young people are really dying. No, I mean, I think a few are here and there, but I don't know, dude. It's like, and this might sound terrible, but, you know, I always say I've been so lucky. All the stuff I've gotten to do, even at 27 years old, all the things I've gotten to experience. Dude, in all honesty, if I bite the fucking bullet tomorrow, I mean, shit, to be honest with you, I could die a happy man. And that might sound terrible, but. Well, are you happy? Yeah, man. I mean, dude, I got freaking, you know, I've been so lucky the people I've met in my life, like you and Nicole. And so you're happy? Yeah. So if you died tomorrow, you'd die a happy man? I could probably die a happy man tomorrow. People can understand that. Yeah. I'm not saying I got a death wish, but what I'm saying is that, you know, if Lord forbid something happens and I got to bite the bullet, like, dude, I mean, I could actually die a happy man. Dude, if you're happy and you die tomorrow, you die a happy man. But nobody... In your age group, should even worry about dying from COVID-19. Because people in your age group aren't dying. And it's pretty much people that just are old and people that have pre-existing conditions. But the younger generation has got no problem. Except well, for getting the flu, which you guys had that chance of getting the flu anyway. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, even if I did have it, I think that that freaking Cabernet I downed probably killed it. What was your motive for having a little bit of alcoholic beverage today in protest? I just feel strong. I, 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 I really feel for the small business. So it was more about the small guy. Yeah, man. I mean, this, I, dude, like, I, I've been telling everybody the important thing that you guys should be worrying about is supporting your small local business. Don't be worried about going to freaking Home Depot. Don't be worried about going to Target, Walmart. Those are big corporations. They're fine. Not only are they fine, they're open. They're open. It's like the little bit. That's why Wings Plus. Dude, I go to Wings Plus once a week. All right. Explain just today. What's today again? Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. Today, Sunday. Whatever the fucking date is today, explain what you did to support local and small business. Dude, I was with all my Sicilian friends down at the Riverside Market, my Sicilian and Jewish friends. Right. We went down to Sicilian Market. And you know what's funny? I was watching the old. Um, Maybe Riverside Market. Riverside Market. Dude, I was watching the old Comedy Central roasts. A right. few. I've been watching them like every day, like the old school ones with all the good people, and they were funny. And Red Buttons. Remember Red Buttons? He goes, there's very little difference between the Italians and Jews. He goes, you know what the difference is between the Italians and Jews? One year of high school. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so we're, I'm down there with my, with my Italian and my Jewish friends. Religion aside. Yes, all my friends, my goombas. <laughs> and, I, and Uncle Mike handed me... He, he bought it for me himself. He came out and he handed me a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. And he said, drink. He, he, he downed his first. And I respected him so much that he did that. That he inspired me, somebody who doesn't drink at all, to drink in protest. There was a, this today was the day 
today to have a drink. drink. I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff. I may not have another drink again for the rest of my life. Rest of your life? Okay, hold on. If I get sick, <laughs> that was a trick I learned from Carl. He said to me, when you're sick, he said, drink a shot and a half glass of rum. And I told, I, I drank this shot and a half glass. And in 24 hours, I felt better. Dude, that Carl's a mech. Carl, you know what's funny? Carl actually, I asked him one time. He said, I don't know what my ethnicity is. Trust me, he's a mech. You think he's a mech? Yeah. Anybody that turns to alcohol that quickly <laughs> is a mech. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know, genetics. I mean, he could be Irish. He could be Polish. I mean, he's does you know, he's got the pole, so he could be Polish. You think because he pulls around the flats all day, he, could be he might Polish. be Polish? That's one way to look at it. See, that's the problem with having you non-drinkers drinking. Because then, you know. We start sp- saying, like, dad jokes. and Well, there's, like, the pole, Polish thing. You know. Anyway. the uh, No, seriously. Going down there to uh, Riverside Market today and having drinks with Julian in protest. It felt good. It was fun, right? It was fun. Now, the government doesn't want you to have fun. The government doesn't want you to express yourself like that. No. The government wants to control you, which is exactly why we went down there and did it today. Yeah. In protest. Yep. I feel much better now. Dude, I feel I feel so much better, especially since I sat in this chair. I wish everybody could see this chair I'm sitting in right now. What does Victoria call this thing again? Um, the, it started with a P. I forget now. But Victoria is like... You know, Victoria's the new producer for the YouTube channel that we're doing for the podcast. Is she really? Well, I mean, you know, in, in collaboration with Lamont. Isn't her birthday coming up? Yeah. Or past? Or it's no, coming up? No, just passed. Just passed. March 3rd. Kid turned 14. I can't remember if I wished her happy birthday or not. You did. Did I? Yeah. I can't remember. <sighs> now, Victoria... She's, wait, so she's 14 now? So you know what that means? In one more year, she gets her um, her learner's permit. For driving. Yep. Yeah. I'm thinking about putting a center console on that skiff over there so she can drive that around. That wouldn't be a bad idea, dude. The tiller, the 70 horsepower with the tiller, that's a little bit much for a small girl. So i got to change the tiller to a center console, but I'm thinking I'm going to let her roll around on that until she's out of high school or, or better. Okay. Well, I mean, dude, speaking of skiffs, man, like, I feel like going to a flat right now. Oh, you want me to take you to a flat? I want you to take me to a flat, Jeff. Honestly, I don't care if we catch anything. I just want to fucking see it. Yeah. You're having flashbacks of me and the Burst Man story. Yeah. Probably one of the best days of my life is, let's just say we're a little bit intoxicated. Yeah, kind of like now. And I looked at, I looked at Bursa, and I said, Bursa. I said, I don't care which flat you take me to. Just fucking take me. Just take me to a flat. I just want to fucking see you. That's it. It's like you're cursing a lot on this broadcast. I know, dude. That's I, This is why I shouldn't drink. Dude, you only had a glass of wine. No, remember I had the beer, too. That was non-alcoholic. Is it really, though? Yes. Is it? Dude, the reason I got that beer for you is because it was non-alcohol. And considering you don't drink, I figured yeah. that'd be the perfect beer for you to slam and protest. And then you, getting carried away with the other Sicilians, decided <laughs> that you were going to slam a bottle of wine, yeah. which you did. 
you know, it's funny. It wasn't. It didn't taste bad either. Of course not. It yet. didn't taste that bad. But the, that Heineken sucked, dude. Well, it had no alcohol in it. Well, no, just the taste of it. And even before that, it just I don't even know, man. There's two different types of Heinekens. You got the American Heineken, and then you got the non-American Heineken. When you're over in the Abacos and you're chilling, you're doing like you know. Clicks. Frig clicks. Get the Heineken because it's the real Heineken. That has the right amount of alcohol content and actually has some taste to it. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Abacos. Somebody brought up the Bahamas to me the other day this week. I said, when are you going back to the Bahamas? I said, well, I said, my next trip to the Bahamas, I said, I want to go to Abacos. I said, but so, but until they're done with it, I can't go. So I'm hoping maybe what next year. What do you mean done with it? They're rebuilding it. Right. And plus, the Bahamas are closed right now still. How so. come that's not, like, the big topic anymore? Like, back in September, that was the big topic. Everybody wanted to help everybody in the Abacos, and they were going to, you know, donate all this money and everything. And all of a sudden, it's not a topic anymore. Sudden, same with the water quality, too. The sewage, all of a sudden, that disappeared. People did drop that. Yeah, they did. I think there'll be a resurgence in the, um, in the sewage thing. Dude, you know, I was watching um, Benny Blanco's show, uh, Guiding Flow TV. Dude, have you seen Guiding Flow TV, Benny Blanco's new show? Yeah. Dude, I watched the episode that they just did where they went out to Biscayne Bay and cut a tarp and permanent a bonefish. And I was listening to Joe Gonzalez. He was, uh, he's, you know, popular guide down there. You know him. Um and he was talking about how important it is that we need to really put an emphasis on the quality of water in Biscayne Bay or we're going to lose the fishery completely. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, that really resonated with me. And then going out there again last week and you see all that beauty out there and, you, you know, and you're lucky enough to actually catch some of those world-class game fish. It just it, – it, it, it amazed me how with all of this COVID bullshit – We've forgotten about that stuff. Uh, forgotten or just put or, on the back burner? Put on the back burner. Right. But, but no, but I'll be honest. I didn't think about it as much as I did before. You know what I mean? But Busaka, you're 27 years old. I am. You're just starting to think about it. By the time you're 50, you're going to think about it a lot because <laughs> it's, going to be, it's going to become a priority and an obsession as a priority. And guys like Joe Gonzalez, Benny Blanco, Carl Ball, guys that are like, you know, getting into their 50s and 60s and stuff. And they've been taking people fishing for the majority of their life. It becomes not only a priority, but an obsession. And the reason it's an obsession is because there's people that care about the lifestyle and the tradition. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fish... What was, where it's going, and what happens is it takes you over. Like when I was 35 years old, 38 years old, we first started doing social media and YouTube. The only thing I gave a shit about was catching big fish and making people laugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Selling people out, you know, a little abrasive. And my priorities and stuff were totally different Yeah. then than they are now. You know what I mean? It's an evolution. And you, at 27 years old, and you're learning about the flats in Biscayne Bay, you're starting to figure out how impor the importance of life, the value of it. You know what I mean? 
Dude, I mean, let me tell you something. When you, there is nothing better than being at the front of a skiff, pulling across a flat when it's, you know, blue skies, sun is shining. You see bonefish either feeding or pushing across the flat. You make that cast and you give them a hit and that thing starts running. There's no better feeling in the world, dude. And it's like, why, why would we want to let that go away? That's value. That's value of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people that don't experience that don't understand that value of life. But they have other ones. People are into all sorts of other shit. Yeah. And, um... Jeff, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what I never asked you? What? Do you remember when... And what, so why do you start? Why did you start fishing Biscayne Bay? Did somebody tell you about it, or what made you first go out to Biscayne Bay? Because that's the first place you can catch bonefish from here. Even back then, it was known. Yeah, dude, we were kids, right? We were kids. I had a fifteen whaler, and there was no real idle speed zones, so you could leave Los Olos Boulevard and you could run down the intercoastal waterway and in like 35 minutes you could be in areas where you could catch bonefish you know what i mean wow so it started then you know do you remember do you remember the first time you saw the flats out there yeah how that, old were you that was far before i could drive down there on my own really my father used to like to go to um long key Key Colony by Marathon. Mm -hmm. And we had a 33-foot sport fish. And we'd run the sport fish from here to wherever he picked in the Keys. A lot of time it was Key Colony. And he would run a house there. We could pull the sport fish up behind the house. And we'd roll through Biscayne Bay on our way down there. You know, we would take the inside. And from the time um, that we hit Hull over, there were flats. Really? There's still flats and all over. There's just no bonefish on them, or at least not many. And um, I thought to myself then, I was like, man, I was like, just down the creek from where we live, you know, we, 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 we can experience the flats and the bonefish. But anyway, going through the Biscayne Bay area with my old man and his sportfish on our way to Key Colony, where we'd spend a lot of time in the summers, um, I was exposed to it. I was intrigued by it, and I started going there because I knew that it was just down the intercoastal. Is I mean, dude, it's only twenty miles. Dude, I mean, think about think about how incredible it is. You've got this area that has huge bonefish year round, basically, and huge permit year round. Right. How many places do you know of have that Not year many. round and Not, big? Not many. Not many. I mean, like, the average perm in Biscayne Bay is, like, friggin', like, 20 pounds. So tell me. Tell me. Okay, so you go out there with Carl and you get your first permit. That was exciting, dude. I, gosh, that was incredible. How did you feel? Legit, I felt like I, I really, I felt like I felt when I caught my first bonefish. Like, I, like, like I accomplished something that was serious. See, when I, when I first realized that there was bonefish permit and things like that, just right there in Biscayne Bay, it just opened up my mind to the geographical areas that you could actually do this kind of thing. Yeah. And because of that, it intrigued me to a level where I wanted to conquer the 
areas between here and Biscayne Bay because I could. You know what I mean? It's right there. Well, me and my buddies could get in the boat and we could roll down there and we could do what we wanted to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just hope that that's still going on today. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in it. Do you think Nicole would let Victoria get in the skiff and roll down to Biscayne Bay today? By herself? Yeah. Well, her and her friend. At 14 years old, no. Right. We were doing it at like 12. Seriously? Yeah, nobody thought anything of it. You know what I mean? I mean, the world has changed. So now here's the thing, though. Like, So you did it when you were young. Right. And then you kind of stopped doing it for a while. And then you and Scott Bursa got real into it at one point. Right. Well, what happened was um, before high school, you know, before you started to, like, chase chicks around and try to get laid all the time, that was, like, a priority. You know what I mean? Through high school, it wasn't so much of a priority. Your mind was on other things. Yeah. But then... That only lasted a short while. By the time I finished college, then it was a priority again. And that's when the big Bursa man and Lamont and I started putting in serious time, you know, in Biscayne Bay, pulling around the flats. Did you ever tell the story about when you and Scott freaking busted the engine down there on the coral head? We broke the bottom. <laughs> we broke the... All right, so it, I love this. This is a great story. So me, me and Bur- me and Bursa are running around Biscayne Bay, and at the time, I was sporting the four stroke in Biscayne Bay, which was a big deal. Nobody had four strokes back then. I had the four stroke, and I had it on a Key West Stealth. It was red. And being the big Bursa man, wanted to conquer Biscayne Bay, running around in that Key West Stealth. And one day, we were coming in after permit fishing in front of Elliott Key, and we're t- doing the uh, pass there by Soldier Key, and we hit a coral head. And we broke the lower unit <laughs> wide open. And It after must we, have sounded like a bomb when it freaking hit. It sounded like a car accident. And then we were able to keep going, and I could see the, the lower unit fluid and stuff spewing out of the back of the engine. So I told Bursa, I says, we'll go as long as the engine will go, and then we'll stop, which only lasted about a mile. So we were about a mile west of the ocean, or west of, let's call it, Soldier Key. And then the engine took a shit on us, because there was no more lower unit oil or anything left. There was a big hole in the lower unit. So we pulled from basically Soldier Key to Black's Point. How far is that? Because I don't even know how far that is. I want to call it about three, but I eh, call it maybe three miles, two and a half miles. But think about it polling. Right. That might as well be like 15 miles. This is before CETO and all that kind of stuff. Jesus. You know what I mean? So we just pulled back home. And then while we pulled back home, we threw some baits out the back. Um, we netted some big ass pilchards and just trolled them off the back of the boat as we pulled our way home. And we got almost to the mouth of the little inlet there by Black's Point. And then some fool saw us and then towed us the rest of the way. Did you get anything to hit those to- the, um Barracudas, giant barracudas. Did, you, were, did they cut the line or were you able to get them No, in? we got a few in and, you know, we made the best out of pulling back home. But back then, I mean, when you were fishing on Biscayne Bay, you didn't see a lot of boats rolling by. No. 
I mean, yeah, maybe Saturday or Sunday in the peak of the day you would see a lot of boats. But, like, you know, we would go down, you know, at daybreak, you know, in the middle of the week just to get in our sessions. And in the middle of the week, in the middle of Biscayne Bay, there wasn't that much boat traffic back in those days. Well, Carl was telling me, you know, they got that, that famous sandbar out there in Biscayne Bay. And he told me that, you know, years ago they used to actually have permit in there. He said that was a great permit spot, that sandbar. Dude, the bonefish and the permit, you didn't have to go much further than North Biscayne Bay. If you just got, if you got just south of Holover, you could find fish on the flats. That's incredible. Uh, they're still there. They're just far and few between. The moderate water's not near as clean. People don't try it. But, um... Seriously, if you got north of Broad Causeway, okay, you could find bonefish. I'm so, I mean, south of Broad Causeway. They're all big over there too, dude. I mean, like the average fish is like five pounds, which is still a good bonefish, dude. Anytime you get on the further most outskirts of a species' ability to be able to live, it seems like the biggest fish are on the very outskirts of it you know what i mean like you get into the middle in the mecca center of bonefish and stuff we'll call that you know somewhere between the southern bahamas and venezuela somewhere and a lot of the fish are small yeah like two three pounds you know a lot of a lot of like big numbers in schools but then you get to the very very outskirts of where the fish are able to live and that seems to be where the biggest of the strains are. And, I, and, I know, and I've noticed, though, how you were saying that the bigger that these bonefish get, the more that they start to kind of break off into smaller and smaller groups. Like that eight-pounder I got last week, I could see there was only like maybe three of them together. Yeah, I, I found that um, as the fish get bigger, you know, the numbers get smaller, especially bonefish, you'll often see pairs of eight, nine, ten pounders. You'll be a two of them. Not 20 of them, not 40 of them, not 100 of them like in the Bahamas, not a 1,000 of them like some places in the Caribbean, but two. But two quality fish as opposed to just a giant school. Of like little ones. Right. And it's funny. I feel like those giant ones, they're never, they're never feeding. They're, just, they're always cruising most of the time, I feel like. Yeah, dude, they're, you know, all fish go on their feeding and cruising modes. But think of it like a human. 24-hour day, how much of that time during the day do you spend feeding? Right? Yeah, not that, I mean, three times. If you picked an hour for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which most people don't do all three meals, yeah. that would only be three out of 24 hours. You think fish are any different? <laughs> Probably not. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But even if they're three times more hungry, hungry than we are, that's not a lot of hours of eating. No. You know what I mean? And I always, I always like, everything goes back to the tarpon for me. Like the other day we're sitting offshore, and um, the fishing has been excellent offshore the last three weeks. Nobody been out there. Well, we're sitting out there, and nothing was happening. Sorry, tips. Fish weren't eating that day. 
Fish have been eating like crazy for weeks. Do I think for a second that there's no fish out there? No, the fish are out there. They're just not feeding. They're just not feeding. When you're tarpon fishing, you often see the fish rolling around the boat. You can see them under the boat, and you're not getting any strikes. And you got no problem spending hours out there before the feed. Nothing's different in the blue water, except for the fact that you can't see the fish. The fish are down there. The fish are where they're supposed to be. They're just not eating. You feel me? Yeah. I don't know. Jeff, how you feeling right now, dude? I feel like a million bucks. I just protested. Hell yeah, man. I protested in the name of small business today. Yeah, we did. That was real, that was real guy shit right there, dude. Yeah, that was a good day. We had fun. We had some good wings before that, too. So you're really, you're really stuck on Wings Plus. Dude, I mean, between the wings and the, the cheesesteak sub, I mean, I'm happy I got the wings. I almost got the cheesesteak sub today. But next weekend when I go, I'll probably get that cheesesteak sub. So, like, when you go into Publix and you're getting your Publix chicken tender subs, are you trying to convince the people in the Publix to make wings like Wings Plus? No. Dude, you know, it's funny you brought that up, though. I went in there maybe two, three weeks ago, and I got a chicken tender sub. I was craving it. I hadn't had it in months, so I was like, let me go get one. Dry. It was it was a sorry sandwich, dude. You had a bad Publix chicken tender sub? It was sorry. It was After sorry. all that selling out on all the different Facebook freaking pages and YouTube and everything, you, you went in there and had a sorry... <laughs> It was sorry, sub man. It was dry. I was I was really bummed. Did you post that? No. You should have posted it. I was too depressed to post it, man. You should have posted it because people are like freaking out about their public subs. I mean, don't get me wrong. Public's got a good sub, but I just that one sucked, dude. Why are you getting all nasally and shit over there? My allergies. I think I, I think I actually might be. I'm not even joking. I wonder if I might be allergic to wine. Maybe. Are you allergic to tips? Um, no, I should be fine, but... These fucking millennials, they got issues. This one over here is sniffling and everything. I don't know. Gosh, what a beautiful day, man. Dude, I told you, I freaking pressure I pressure washed my freaking driveway today, dude. Oh, we're all real proud of you. I appreciate that, man. It so, felt good. Who was happy besides you? Like, is your mom going to come home and be like, Stephen, that was a great job on No, she's actually not, she's not. She's not going to give you any juice? No, actually she wouldn't. That's messed up. All but right, guess I'll, what? It made me happy. I'll tell Nicole that you pressure wash the driveway and I'm, she'll give you a little juice. Dude, I told you that the freaking neighbor was like, I'll pay you to come and do mine. Let me know if you were Nicole. How, how much? To... How much are they? How much do they offer? Well, that's the thing. I haven't asked how much they're offering you. I let I let people throw out a number first. I don't. They don't. I don't let them ask me. What do you want? What do you want? I just say, what are you willing to pay? Are you willing to work for less than fifty bucks? Depends how big the driveway. <laughs> that's not the point. Are you willing to work for less than fifty bucks? I would because if you got a couple of them, I mean, dude, it all adds up. So, yes, you're willing. Yeah. All right. So, listen, if you and Nicole ever That's want, pretty good for a millennial. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, dude, if you and Nicole ever want me to come by and pressure clean your freaking driveway, let me know. I'll do it. What's up with the millennials that think they're going to make $100,000 a year coming out of college? Dude, I didn't even think I was going to make 
Forty grand a year coming out of college, let alone hundred grand. I'll give I'll give you the I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that you're different than the rest of them, but you know the rest of them. And why they in expect the, it? Why in the world would they think that they're going to graduate college and make a hundred thousand dollars a year? Because I think they think that because they have a bachelor's degree, it somehow makes them qualified to make that kind of money. I know people that got their masters. That aren't even making 40. To plenty of people. I think it's about the maturity of the brain. Like, millennials think that because some loser professor that's only making $60,000 a year told them that they're entitled to make more than that, which I'm not sure how they came up with that, but they did, that the millennials actually bought into that. Possibly, yeah. Like in my day and age, we knew damn well when we were in college that we were going to have to like bust our ass in order to get to a six-figure level. Yeah, that's still the same way. I don't know why people think otherwise. Like I said, I think they're taught that, which is horseshit. Yeah. And they're getting taught that from people that never made six figures, which is totally insane. And to think about people's parents are paying big money for them kids to be taught that way pretty Sad, heavy dude. pretty heavy right yeah yeah so, well, that's the way it is so I, I, yeah what no i just like i said dude i didn't even expect to make 40 coming right out of college let alone i mean what did you major in realistic values <laughs> communications dude you know it's funny you bring up majors some of the things that these people major in like I knew people that majored in anthropology and I was like what, what exactly did you expect to do with that degree like really <laughs> in anthropology anthropology what did you really expect to do with that degree what's, what's, what's the what's the dream job dream job if you're an anthropologist <sighs> I don't know. I'd have to probably talk to an anthropologist. (laughs) But the point that I'm trying to make is you got your parents paying big money for you to go to university to get an education. And your ass goes and majors in anthropology. But then I look at parents and say, you're okay with letting your kid waste your money on an anthropology degree. Right. As a parent, if I ever have kids and my kid wanted to major in anthropology, I would say, well, then either A, you're not going to college because I wouldn't pay for that. Or two, you figure out how to pay for it yourself because I'm not paying for that. Well, I, all right. So I've been taking this kid Jordan fishing. Jordan's a Jew from North Miami. Okay. Nice kid. Great How kid. Old is he? Uh, I'd say he's like a little over 30 now. All right. So he was in the military, Special Forces, Green Beret. Right? Nice. Heavy shit, yeah. right? So you got a Jew from North Miami that decides he wants to be a badass. And um, he becomes a Green Beret. After, he, after military, and, and Jews are great for this, his father made him go to law school really really and like i said um the jews are really good at you know pushing their siblings and their their kids their kids 
into doing this. Yeah. And um, he did. He went to law school, and now he's a real estate attorney. He's got a uh, office on Lincoln Road in Miami Beach. He's an avid fisherman. But that's quality. You know what I mean? And the and the and the and the Jews really understand that, and they expect that their younger generation to do that. And I wouldn't say it's a they're forcing the younger generation, but highly influencing them. Yeah. To put themselves in a position to be successful. Yeah. And the Jews are great at that, too. I 100% agree. Right. My, I remember my mom wanted me to go to law school for the longest time, but I just, it was never something I was passionate about. Did your mom a Jew? No. Italian. Okay. She wanted me to go to law school, and I don't know. just wasn't really my calling, I didn't feel like. Yeah, I didn't feel that way either. Hindsight. Did, did your did your parents ever say like, "Oh, you should go to law school. You should go to medical school." Like, did your parents ever say anything like that to you? Or no, no. They wanted me to go to school. They wanted me to get a higher education, but they wanted me to do what I wanted, yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent. My dad, and I, I applaud him for doing. The, well, see, it doesn't. This approach doesn't work for everybody, but my dad basically said to me. He said this to me my sophomore year of high school at St. Thomas because I screwed around bad my sophomore year. I mean, I was like based on the brink of failing. I turned it around. My dad had to sit down with me at the end of the year, of the end of sophomore year, and he said to me, he goes, listen. He goes, quite frankly, Stephen, he goes, I really don't give a shit if you, get an, if you want to get an education or not. He said, I really don't care. He goes... If you want to actually get an education and you want to better yourself and try to set yourself up for success in life, I'll help you out. Right. He said, but you need to help yourself out. He said, because otherwise I'm not helping you. He goes, and quite frankly, if you end up on the street, I don't care. He said that to me. I think that was was a bluff. He cared. Well, he said to me later on years later, because then I turned it around. I mean, I was like hardcore studying. I was trying to get as many A's as I could after he said that to me. And he said to me, he goes, you know, he said, you know, I, I didn't say that to you to be, to be a jerk off. He said, I said it to you because he goes, I knew it would push you. He goes, and look at what happened. It did. But I know other parents that did that to their kids and that, it, that approach didn't work. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, you know. I don't think the Jews are 100%, 100% successful either. but Is anybody? No, no one's 100%. But, you know, as a culture, as a you know religion or whatever, I think they do the best job as far as dollars and cents go. Absolutely. Is putting their youth in the right position to be successful. To be successful, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, eh, it's quality of life. It's quality of life. Yeah. I'm not sure who's calling me. I just want to do one podcast. What just, somebody, who is it? Uh, I don't know. But I just want to do one podcast. That um, Why am I asking you who it is? You don't have any of our numbers programmed. <laughs> right. I don't do contacts. I don't know how you remember our numbers. Well, I look at it like this. It's like the only numbers that I would put in as contacts are people that I wouldn't remember. 
Oh, you have Nicole in there. <laughs> you the said only, you wouldn't remember Nicole. The, the only reason I have Nicole in there is because she put it in there. What hey, about Lamont? Same. Did I tell you about the story about Nicole's contact? No. All right. So Nicole puts her contact in my phone, and she <laughs> she puts instead of Nicole, she puts my hoe. She put that in herself. Right. I always thought you did that. No, she did that. So now when the phone rings, it says my hoe. So I got a cousin in South Georgia, you know, that's real proper and everything. Yeah. And he sees the phone ring and he looks at it and it says my hoe. And he gets all pissed off at me. And he starts lecturing me on not, you know, you shouldn't call your wife. She's the most special person in your life, your hoe, and this, that, and the other. And I let him go on and on and on for like five, six, seven, eight, ten minutes lecturing me on, you know, this my hoe thing. And then right when he got done, I let him know. I was like, you know, Nicole put that contact name in there. (laughs) And then what did he do? (laughs) What could he do? But be quiet. But it's true. True story. Jesus. I always wondered about that, too, because I was like, damn, I can't believe Jeff actually wrote that. <laughs> I didn't. My own wife it didn't wrote that. Se- it didn't seem like something you would write. That was why I was kind of shocked. Yeah, that's not like part of my slang, like calling girls hoes and stuff. Yeah. But my girl put it in there as my hoe. And that offended some other people <laughs> that had no clue that she put it in there. I'm going to have to talk to Nicole about that next time I see her. It's a good conversation piece. Yeah, it is. But. Anyway, Busaka, we've been podcasting for like 45 minutes let's wrap this thing up. let's wrap it up dude this was good it was great yeah we protested today thanks for slamming beers and and protesting with me and thank you for inviting me julian siegel from riverside market tarpon river brewery and uncle mike uncle mike the crazy sicilian and cousin mike cousin mike the crazy sicilian junior um (laughs) anyway run that dog and thanks for tuning in the real guy podcast this is the shepherd and the Lunker Dog. And I hope you guys enjoyed the latest episode of the Real Guy Podcast.